Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to Cafecito con Estrellita. Now, let's get into today's episode. Hola mi gente, welcome back to Cafecito con Estrellita. I hope you're doing well today. Now, before we go ahead and drop today's fact of the day, I need to let you all know that I'm really feeling myself. Now, let me ask explain. So mi gente, when I started this podcast in late spring, I would constantly record whether they were solo episodes or interviewed episodes. I would always do so sitting down because it just made sense. I had my desk, my podcast, I was working on my laptop and well, when I do homework and whatnot, I'm essentially always sitting down. So that's kind of the method I followed as I was recording episodes. Now, it wasn't until I had started taking my courses virtually online through this whole distance learning thing, and I was required to give a couple presentations in those courses about, you know, me creating lesson plans and showing it and presenting it in front of the class, I would feel myself start to get nervous, which, I mean, it sounds kind of silly because I have a podcast, so why would Estrellita feel nervous when presenting in front of her, her class a teaching lesson that she had made? And the reason why, mi gente, is because, I don't know about you, but sometimes with this whole distance learning and just being in front of your laptop for so long, it would make me feel like, oh, if I give this presentation virtually, no one is actually going to pay attention. Was that true? No, <laughs> but at least that's how I would be feeling on the inside because it just, it feels different to be giving presentations and whatnot over your computer in comparison to in person. Because when you are in person, you see more of the people's interactions. You can feel more of the vibes in the room itself versus again, when you are doing it virtually, you can see faces, but it just feels different because you can't see the entire class. So when I would be doing my practice rounds before actually presenting my presentation for those virtual courses, um, I would I would get tense. So then it wasn't until it just finally dawned on me, Estrellita, just just stack up your books on top of your desk, on top of your cake stand, because I, I use a cake stand to, if it's not holding the podcast mic, it's holding my laptop and um, what's it called? I followed that method and I gave my presentation standing up and I ended up getting A's in those courses, which I was so happy about, but it wasn't until like, again, I just, I found a different method because just sitting at my desk wasn't working anymore, but standing up and feeling like I was able to express myself more, especially when giving a speech in front of a laptop, I just felt more free. And then recently, I've actually been having a couple one-on-one -on -one sessions with some of my amazing first-gen gente who have reached out to me in regards to questions about grad school, in regards to just my thoughts and their thoughts about first generations going through education, just all those fun things. And as we talk, and they ask me questions about like how they should potentially go about virtual meetings, virtual whatever it may be, I I tend to advise them, oh, if you ever do have to give like a speech or any type of like presentation on a webinar, I highly suggest standing up while recording your episodes because it just makes a difference. 
And mi gente, months and months later, up to literally a few hours ago when I recently talked to a one-on-one today, it hit me and I was like, Estrella, why don't you just record this episode standing up? So that's what I did. So right now I have on top of my $29 wobbly Amazon desk, a pink little foot stand that I got at a thrift store for like $2, then my GRE book, then my CBEST book, and then my book that's I can't really see the title because the cake stand is on top of it, but is that it is that book that talks about you are a badass at making money, that one. And then my mic and my pop filter right in front of it. So I'm not sure if you can tell a difference in the way maybe my voice, my vibras, persona is all coming out in this episode, but I can definitely tell you I'm feeling empowered. So if you're doing virtual learning right now, aka distance learning, or if you're trying to put yourself out there and present webinars, panels, whatnot, I highly suggest standing up while doing so. And if it helps you too, just set up your mic to be at like your height and whatnot, which I mean, it's, you know, like you, you would think that Estrellita would just know, oh, set up your mic at your height. Well, I didn't actually realize that until like I did a couple trial and errors until like before I push record. I, mi gente, sometimes I can be a little hot mess, but that's okay. What do you expect from a working grad student who's also podcasting? All right, so enough about that. I just thought that was super valuable. So in case you're feeling a little, oof, you just need something different with virtual learning, go ahead and whenever you give presentation, presentations or in class, just try doing so while standing, but not for the entire four hours. It's just find what works best for you. All right, mi gente, so... I definitely want to talk about the fact that today, October 12th, is Happy Indigenous Day. Now, Indigenous People Day. So, it wasn't until 1992, Berkeley had officially announced and began to advocate for the fact that we're getting rid of Columbus Day and we're making it Indigenous People's Day because... So many historians, and this is based on CNN's editorial research articles, and it was published in 2019, this specific article that's giving back this type of information. Um, Many historians that have worked in, well, history books discovering if Columbus even found the Americas, um, no, that did not happen. Not in the way that a lot of us have been taught growing up. The indigenous people have always been here, and I'm talking way before Columbus even made it to the Americas, so we're just making that clear. October 12th is Indigenous People's Day, not Columbus Day, because all he did was create chaos once he came to the Americas and did homicides, caught so many of our indigenous people sick, and he was just not a nice fella. Now, my gente, we are going to go ahead and focus this episode on networking as a university student in regards to, you know, not just networking with other students around you, but even being able to network with your professors to then be able to help you as you further on with your education in case you go to grad school or even when you graduate from your undergrad institution and you're trying to just go straight into the workforce. So we're going to talk definitely about that because me, I've always been 
a really big fan of connecting with people and I just want to be able to share my experiences, what I've learned and seen in regards to just networking successfully because I know once we all help each other, especially as first-generation Latinx scholars, we can go many long ways. Now, mi gente, if you are similar to me in the sense where you started your undergrad at a community college, I highly recommend that you begin your network there. Because here's the thing, mi gente, community college, not only is it more affordable and I'm talking about the community colleges in California because I myself have not looked into the tuition prices for community colleges outside of California. Now, not only are community colleges affordable, but the class sizes are a lot smaller. Thus, you feel more of an interpersonal interaction classroom setting base, if that makes sense, where you're sitting in a classroom filled with max 90 people at most, And your professor, their office hours, they are definitely more accessible in comparison to professors who are teaching at UCs or Cal States, mainly because they have way more students. And a lot of the times, those professors have a lot of research that needs to get done outside of the classroom setting, if that makes sense. Now, the reason why I highlight that you start from CCJC to start to network is because... Those professors that are at the community college level, they have PhDs. Yes, many have masters, but there are quite a lot of them that also have PhDs. And the thing we have to remember, mi gente, is that when these professors are teaching at these community college campuses, they are there because they are passionate about teaching in the sense that when you meet professors at the UCs, Many of them, even though they are inspiring and they share so much knowledge and they do enjoy connecting with students because why else would they be working in education? A lot of the times, specifically for UCs, professors, they get paid to complete and publish research publications on an ongoing basis, which is why they tend to have a lot of teaching assistants to help them help their students. Now, what I'm really saying, mi gente, is you can start your networking at a smaller institution where professors are more likely to have office hours available for students in comparison to bigger campuses like UCs. Now, I'm not saying that students can't connect and can't go to office hours at the UC institutions, CSUs, whatnot. They can. All I'm saying is that if you have the opportunity to network and build a professional relationship with a professor who has a PhD at a smaller school, I would highly recommend that you do, especially because then when you do transfer and you complete your time at your four-year university that you transferred to, you're going to go in already knowing that connecting with professors is important because you had that experience at your two-year institution. And then because you're so familiar with that and you're not so nervous to talk to professors because you had already done so, you can still build connections at the four-year. So then when the time comes that you are applying to graduate school, whether it's master's degree or PhDs, 
if it comes the time where you need to ask professors for letters, you're going to have professors to pick from at the four-year university that you transfer to, as well as the community college that you attended. And I'm a huge advocate for this because, me first gen gente, every letter of rec that I've needed in regards to scholarship, in regards to grad school, in regards to just job recommendations as well, I have always at least gotten one of my letters from one of my community college professors, mentor, now friend, as well as a letter from a professor I had at UCSB, which I also built a connection with. And I felt that that just made me more as a diversified candidate whenever my applications were getting reviewed in regards to grad school, job applications, etc. And it's just, it's always nice to just know that you have support from all your professors, educators at more than just one institution, especially since I don't know, for example, let's say you need a letter of rec from a professor at a at your community college, but let's say something happens and he or she wasn't able to get it done. Well, then you have your professors at your four-year that you can ask. They can get it done, vice versa. Now, next thing. I know I'm a huge advocate for this where I know it's important to bring awareness for our Latinx first-generation students in regards to letting them know about resources, letting them know what kind of strategies they should, strategies and resources that they should look into in regards to their education because these first-generation students tend to, like, as I've mentioned previous times, they work, go to school, family responsibilities, just so much on their plate. Now, if you're a first-generation student that doesn't necessarily have the time to just be going to office hours all the time with your professors and whatnot, this is what I highly recommend. And I've done it myself when I've had like super, super busy semesters. That's how I've been able to maintain some type of professional relationship with a professor who eventually turn into a letter of rec, and I've seen with other students too. If you are not always on campus, I recommend that whenever you are on campus, just keep an eye out on professors that, well, one, are in your major or I guess area of study that you're interested in, and really just see that professor in the sense of the way they teach, the way if you are feeling inspired by them, the way that you know that for a fact they really like to take the time to go outside of the expectations of a typical college professor in the sense where they want to help students even outside the classroom. And if you get that kind of perspective, vibra, from that professor, I would highly recommend that whenever you do go to class, right after class or even before class, if you get there earlier, just, you know, chit chat with them, talk to them because you don't want to be a stranger when the time comes that you ask for a letter. So then, you know, they, they recognize you, they remember and whatnot. Now, let's say the time comes, you are applying to a private school to transfer to, or maybe you are now applying to grad school, whatever your case may be. After you spent that time, that semester, that quarter, just, you know, engaging and speaking to that professor whenever you had time or even professors, 
I recommend that when it's time for you for th- to have that letter, you ask them in person, hey, would you have the time to write me a letter? I'm really interested in grad school, and I would appreciate a very good letter of rec from someone like yourself. And most of the time they would say, they will say yes. However, I highly recommend that you ask professors at a minimum a month in advance for a letter of rec, a month in advance. And I say that because, well, you want to make sure you have a good letter of recommendation because this is important. It's part of your application and you just want to make sure you are presented as the best candidate possible. So when a professor is given more than enough time to really work on your letter, it helps a lot. Now, the second thing I recommend that you do is once the professor says yes, because he or she most likely will, then you want to go ahead and follow up with an email after you get their confirmation and go ahead and send them your resume. Um, And I'm talking about your resume, like work-wise, as well as your CV, aka Curriculum Vita. Now, in your Curriculum Vita, it's definitely more of an academic-based resume where you talk about like the honors you've gotten, any kinds of projects you've done outside of the classroom, in the classroom, whatnot. Like basically, you want to give this professor all the tools that they need in regards to like it being written down. So when they write your letter of rec, they have a lot of information to fall back on. And thus, if they have a guide to help them, you're most likely going to get a way better letter of rec than you thought. Now, the reason why I say this is because is because I know as a student, we like and prefer to, because it's a helpful guide, when professors give us guides about an exam they may have for the class, and when we have like a guide to prepare before those exams, it's super helpful. So why not give a guide of yourself to your professor when they're writing their letter of rec, because then they'll have more to talk about and so forth. All right, me hit this. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break, but then we're going to go ahead and transition from letters of recs with professors to more of the networking sense when it comes to attending conferences, webinars, and so forth. All right, now we're back, mi gente. Thank you so much for sticking through that ad. It means so much. All right, so moving on forward, talked about letter of recs, professors, the importance of networking, starting at the community college, if you have the chance to start your education journey at a community college, to then navigate it through under the the rest of your undergrad at a four-year, and well, now mi gente, networking. So I can't emphasize this enough that it is always important that you do your best to network, not only in the job force, but also in and on your campus. And I say this because... When you network, not only do you build the connections needed in regards to letter of rec or or recommendations by um, colleagues you may have had in like work study or any other campus jobs, but it also, it really enlightens your mind when you connect and network with other individuals on university campuses that are just enlightened as you in regards to wanting to make a difference in the world 
with your educational knowledge, you just then feel more motivated to want to excel in your academics, your work life, etc. And you only really get that feeling when you're networking and talking to other individuals like that. Now, the best places to do so is, well, one, attending college workshops. And I know I always definitely bring this up, and I probably sound like a broken record at this point, but when you attend workshops such as resume workshops, when you attend first-generation workshops, transfer student workshops, and whatnot, I guarantee you the people that you are going to meet in that room are people that want the same thing as you in the sense that they want to get to know people who are first gen and are looking for that support or who are looking for that support with building resumes because not everyone's going to attend workshops and webinars because you know there's just so much going on in the world that a lot of the times attending webinars and workshops it may be the last thing on a student's mind. So that's why if you can, I highly suggest even if it's just one workshop a semester, it's worth going because then it only takes that one person interaction to get and to for you to get another student's like email address or phone number to then connect and then stay connected as you both continue on with your university journey. And I remember me gente, there was this There was this quote I heard from a speaker once. I can't remember who the speaker was, but I'm sure many of you have heard this quote before. All it really takes is showing up. That's the first step. If you show up, you're already making a difference because not everyone shows up to these kind of events. And it may also be due to the fact that a lot of the resources that are available on university campuses. They're not always so accessible for first-gen students. And just as I've talked about in previous episodes, it can sometimes feel like the education system is not made for first-generation students. But that's why it's important, me first-gen hinted, that as long as you just first step show up to even just one of these webinars or just one of these workshops once a quarter or once a semester, you make at least one connection, maybe a couple more from there, whether it's students or professor-wise, and then whatever you gain from that workshop, I want you to take with you and just share it with one other person, whether it's another one of your college friends that did not attend the workshop panel, and then so forth, because then that person may share it with another, that person may share it with another, so then people just specifically for our first-gen gente, just feel as included as possible with knowing about the resources that are available on campuses, which in this case would be webinars and workshops and just, just information that you can learn from that. And lastly, and this, I, it could still be done in our virtual world as well as when we go back to campuses in person, I highly recommend for students to at least try research once. Now hear me out. When I first started doing research at the community college level and then presented at conferences, I enjoyed it. I had fun doing it, which probably sounds super nerdy, but I definitely did. It was psychology-based research. But then once I transferred, I realized that 
the passion for it just wasn't there in comparison to when I was doing it at community college. And it might have just been due to the fact that when I was at my community college, I felt like my mentors were definitely more motivating and wanting to help students get into research versus once I transferred to the four-year institution, I just felt like it was a very, very different dynamic where professors, they still wanted students to succeed. It was just harder for professors at those UC levels to sit down with students as often as community college professors do in regards to helping their mentees with research projects, thesis papers, and whatnot. Now, I say it's important to just try research, try and submit your research to a conference, and it could be a conference where it's held at your local community college, or it could be a conference that you apply to to present at UC Irvine or to present at UC Santa Barbara, UC San Diego, because then when you start to just dab into the world of research, you tend to go on to present it at conferences. And when you are presenting research at academic conferences at the undergrad level, not only do you get the experience to see if you even like research enough to pursue a PhD degree, because PhDs are definitely more research-based, which is why some individuals may just want to stop at their master's degree because they might not just they might not be that passionate to work on a dissertation and work on more research for many, many years. However, you won't know unless you try. And a lot of these research conferences at the undergrad level can be funded. And I say this because when I was presenting research at the community college level, I went to WPA, the Western Psychological Association, and APA, the American Psychological Association. And as I said, I had fun doing my research at the time in the psychology area. However, once I transferred, just wasn't the same. But when I was doing it at the community college, there was definitely more funding. And I don't know if it was because scholarships just seemed more accessible because the community college campuses are just a lot smaller. So resources, they can be found and be more accessible in comparison to when you transfer to a bigger institution where there's literally just so many students and we're just trying to graduate, get things done, whatnot. So definitely had more funding there. And when I would travel, I had... A lot of my hotels, they were booked, covered by my organization, by funding from my community college for the honors program I was in. And then once I went to UCSB and I continued on and did a senior honors thesis for one of my majors, um, I actually ended up getting some scholarship money at the end for working on my thesis. So, I mean, if there's a chance that you can get a free trip while being able to put on your resume and curriculum beta that you presented at a conference, or maybe you get some scholarship money for writing a super long paper for your senior year. I mean, it doesn't sound that bad. I mean, who doesn't like free money and free trips and skills that you can put to help you shine more as the amazing estrellita that you are yourselves, academic-wise, persona-wise, and whatnot. And I just think it's important to just dig down and just give research a try at the undergrad level because then 
you can see if you do want to further on with a PhD, maybe just do a master's or maybe just take a gap year, take your time and then figure out where you want to do what you want to do. Because I, I personally have conversated with students in the past and that's another reason why I personally didn't apply to go straight to a PhD program right after UCSB myself because you, you still have to like figure out if the world of research is completely for you. Because if it's not, that's okay. Just make sure that you do what you need to do for yourself to get into a program you want. And we're always going to have other amazing gente that do have passion towards research that are going to work at it, hustle at it, and do amazing at it. Just like how we have other awesome gente that are going to work hard in their fields, just not do as much research in comparison to the PhD level. All right, me first generation gente, we went ahead and talked about, let's recap, networking, starting at your community college level if you start there, getting to know professors, so then when you transfer to a four-year, it doesn't feel super overwhelming because you kind of know where to go about. Then networking with professors, please Give them some guides when they write your letters of rec and give them some time because I know you like when you have final study exam guides. I don't know if that made sense, but you know what I mean. When professors give them to you so you could study before taking your exam, which by the way, that that doesn't really happen in grad school. So enjoy those little study guides while you can during undergrad because I definitely miss those myself. And then um, also talked about the importance of networking, not just with the individuals around you, like on the campus, but specifically even at events such as workshops and webinars. And lastly, just give research a try during your undergrad level. Like, what do you got to lose? All that's really going to happen is, I mean, yeah, you're going to put in hard work, but you're already putting in hard work as a student. So with this research, it's just an added bonus for your resume curriculum beta, as well as potentially maybe getting a free trip out of it to present it at a conference or get in some scholarship money that you can put in your pocket and maybe pay some bills with it. I don't know. There's just that. All right, Mijentes, so before we conclude this episode, I also want to let you all know that on Wednesday, October 14th, 2020 at 6 p.m. I'm going to be hosting my first virtual panel alongside with Dominica, the CEO founder of Chicana Inc. I know you've definitely have heard her episode because I've had her on the podcast twice now. She's so amazing. I am so happy that we met. And the name of the panel is Mujeres Cultura y Pasión. And the objective of this panel is to uplift mujeres to embrace their inspiring natural leadership roles through topics such as education and whatnot. Now, mi gente, the event is free. It's in the link of my bio on the Instagram, Cafecito con Estrellita, and I'm just excited for all of you to tune into it. And lastly, please don't forget to comment, rate, and review this podcast. It would mean so much because, mi gente, if you find my content informative, inspiring, and uplifting, and you feel like another first-generation student should tune into this, please take the time to write a review for Cafecito con Estrellita on Apple Podcasts or anywhere that you listen to your podcast that allows you to. 
because the way that podcasts work is that the more reviews a podcast gets, the higher chance it gets to be more, how could I say this? The higher chance it has to be like, re, like searched easier for people who are looking for new podcasts to hear, if that makes sense. So if we want to make my podcast accessible to other first-gen gente, um, please leave a review because then it'll pop up. It has a higher chance of popping up in their search engine when they're like trying to find new podcasts to listen to. And it would just mean so much because I have so much fun creating episodes, creating content, and just creating networking panels such as what's going to be happening this Wednesday at 6 p.m. with Mujeres Cultura de Pasión because... I care about all of you. I genuinely do. And that's why I like to take the time to share my experiences, share the research that I know, and just really get on into it. Now, mi gente, I'm going to go ahead and leave you off with a quote. And this quote is actually one of mine. Now, let me just pull up my phone because it's literally about to die. But that's why I screenshotted my own quote to make sure it didn't happen. There we go. All right, mi gente. Do you meet your goals, live your life, and I promise what is meant for you will be for you. Cafecito con estrellita. So go ahead and just, you know, dissect on that. I look forward to talking to you all very soon. And I can't wait for Wednesday and just uh, continuing to make more content for this podcast. All right, mi gente. I'll talk to you soon.